So we've talked about Mandy's separation from her perspective and what it means for her, but what about a daughter? I'm pleased to introduce one of our children law specialists at Major Family Law, Sam Carter. Sam was trained and qualified at a London-based firm before moving north in 2017 when he joined Major Family Law. He's now a senior associate for the firm and he specialises in children law cases. That's correct, isn't it? Yes, Joanne, that's correct. So what sort of initial advice would you give to Mandy in respect of the arrangements for her daughter following the breakdown of her relationship and the subsequent divorce proceedings? Well, I think first thing, Joanne, to to say is that um, separation can be equally difficult for for children as it is for the adults going through it. And I find from experience it can be especially difficult for older children. So although those who are separating um, like Mandy need need to think about uh, the consequences for them of the separation and the way forward. It's it's a good idea as well to also consider uh, that the child or children are involved. From experience, I, I would say, Joanne, that most parents ultimately manage to come to an agreement uh, on the arrangements for their children following separation. And some do this directly with each other, But in cases like Mandy's where there are difficulties and and perhaps uh, a power imbalance between the parents, it it can be a sensible idea to get good legal advice and representation and proceed to um, instruct solicitors uh, to negotiate these issues on the parents' Do you think? Do you think the reason for that, Sam, is just sometimes by instructing a solicitor, it's a sort of third party, so it sometimes diffuses some of the tension rather than having to deal with the conflict directly between the parents. Perhaps yes. I sometimes have clients who instruct me on the back burner, if you will, and their ex is is not aware of of, um, my involvement, and and the parents are able to have that discussion themselves and client comes to me really for some help and advice around that but but you are right in some cases it's just not appropriate in the aftermath of a volatile separation it can be a sensible idea to have that trusted third party on board. So that's quite interesting Sam then isn't it that some some clients are sort of coming to you for kind of private advice sort of behind the scenes advice and you're guiding them then in terms of I presume what what the court would do if they were faced with that situation. I suppose that's quite an interesting way of looking at it. So it's not sort of being instructed to represent someone in relation to a contact dispute or an issue regarding the children, but it's just kind of behind the scenes helping someone in that it, during that journey. Sure, of course. And, and every case and family are, are, are different. Um, but for some, it helps to have that, that person in the background just, just to give pointers and and guidance, whereas in other cases, it is necessary for, for me to take a more active role um, in the, the discussions and negotiations with the other party, whether they decide to instruct lawyers them, th- themselves or not. Okay, that's really helpful, Sam. But you know, I mean, obviously, I, I know from experience, even though I, I'm not a sort of specialist children's lawyer, but I know that sometimes, sadly, it doesn't always work out. And people can't always resolve the problems between themselves, or even in the way that you're describing by helping someone behind the scenes. Those are the cases where maybe they're just parties, parents just simply can't agree. And they they feel the need perhaps to issue court proceedings. What would they expect if the court were asked to make decisions on arrangements in respect of children? Can you talk us through a little bit about that? Of, of course, yes. Um, unfortunately, we, we do have those cases where uh, we, we try our best um, 
through solicitors' discussions, uh, both on and off the record, to, to move things forwards. Um, and, and we also have cases where um, we've exhausted um, other types of dispute resolutions, such as uh, mediation, uh, where if, if it's agreed, uh, parents would sit down with an independent mediator uh, who helps them to, to, to come to an agreement. And in some cases, um, the mediator will, will invite the child as well uh, to, to join uh, so that their voice is heard. But, but as you say, Joanne, um, in, in some cases, we, we do have to go to that last resort of course. That's really interesting, Sam, about the mediation sometimes involving the children. I guess that must be children of a certain age, though, is it? Yes, it is. And, and not all mediators are, are um, qualified and experienced to provide that level of service because for, for obvious reasons, there, there are different skill sets. Uh, for, for the uh, what what you'd say normal mediation service where they uh, mediate with the adults directly, um, it's generally if if children are to be involved, it's generally older children. That, that there's no limit as such, but from experience, I would say thirteen plus. I have heard also that. Um Sometimes, well, certainly in the past, when I used to do children's work, but it was an awfully long time ago, that occasionally judges would want to speak to older children. Is that something that still happens now or is that very much a thing of the past? Uh, well, well, possibly. Um, it, it used to be if you got to court early on a Friday morning that you would see uh, a group of children in court sat waiting to uh, be called into chambers to speak with the judge. But but I must say from from... From my practice, I, I, I'm finding that's uh, increasingly uh, rare these days because normally the child's voice uh, will, will be communicated to the court through uh, an independent social worker from CAFCAS. Uh, but, but, but it does still happen. Uh, I, I've had a case um, just, just before the pandemic where the, the, the child there was 15 and it was agreed by all that it would help uh, the judge in his decision-making to speak with the child. Can you tell us a little bit then about the role of CAFCAS and what CAFCAS is? I know it's a sort of a central independent body dealing with children's matters. CAFCAS stands for Children uh, and Family Court Support and Advisory Service. Um, they are trained social workers. They are described as the eyes and the ears of the family courts. Um, they are trained social workers who um, don't work for social services but work for, for the court system. Um, so they are independent and it's their job um, to um, speak with the parents, uh, in some cases speak with the child, uh, as well as schools, um, to, to uh, provide the judge um, information in respect of the situation on the ground. They play a, a very important um, role. But but what I do think is important to stress, Joanne, is that if a case gets the court, um, it, it will have to go through a process of, of, of safeguarding check-in just to ensure that, there, that there's no risk uh, presented to, to the child. So, so every case that goes to court, uh, CAFCAS are involved at the start, but but in most cases, CAFCAS will not consider it necessary to remain involved. Like all public bodies, they have a finite budget and they prioritise what they would see as the, the more complex cases. So this is where uh, that there's a safeguard in risk, whereby a judge would, would need some help from from uh, an independent social worker from CAFCAS. So, so, so I have this with many clients who think that 
by going to court, it will mean that their child or children will definitely be spoken to 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 uh, by um, someone who's independent. But but unfortunately, that that does not uh, happen uh, in the majority of cases. We will only get to the stage really of Kafka speaking to the children if either there is a safeguarding risk or if the judge is persuaded at the outset of the case that a child has sufficient uh, understanding uh, and maturity uh, whereby uh, that their views and wishes can be communicated to the court. Oh, that's really interesting. And it's interesting to hear from you, Sam, that you say the majority um, of matters that you're dealing with that go to court um, aren't involving Kafkas. Can you kind of um, just give the listeners a, um, an example of what, what sort of disputes or issues that are going to court that don't involve Kafkas then? Yes, well, the, I say that the majority uh, of cases will go through the safeguarding check process and Kafkas will conclude that um, that there's no uh, need for, for further uh, investigation given there's no safeguarding issue and therefore uh, the way that Kafkas would see it is it's a private uh, dispute between two parents uh, which a judge can determine from hearing from the parents only. Um, so, so, so that does sometimes pose difficulty because I, I will have clients, Joanne, who say that, well, my, my, my child is 12, 13, 14, 15, They've got a strong view that needs to be communicated to the court. And, and as I say, it's Kafkas who are the eyes and ears of the court. If they're not going to be further involved in a case, then it does create difficulty. If you want to, um, if you want to put in your evidence to the court that, that the child is saying they they want or don't want a, a particular thing. So, so in those circumstances, Joanne, you, you, we do have to be quite creative uh, in, in thinking about how we get that evidence before the courts when, when Kafkas play no further role. Um, generally, that the court will take that evidence from seeing uh, that the parents themselves under cross-examination, whereas in other cases you would have to think about getting evidence, say, from a school or a, a medical practitioner who the child has spoken to. So can you give us a couple of examples of what, what you mean by that? Is that sort of, you know, disputes about going on a holiday? You mentioned school. What, what sort of issues uh, would, would people be facing to, to find themselves in this situation? Yes, well, the um, parents who are uh, together in a relationship often are in dispute in respect of what, what, their, uh, what, what the arrangements should be for their child or children and and what they should be doing. So, so, so we do have lots of uh, different issues that the court sometimes needs to be invited to make decisions on by parents who are separated. So this can be uh, the, the obvious, Joanne, so where a child lives, that the, the contact or spend time with is the, the, the new parlance of the uh, of a parent, what, what those arrangements should be. Um, we also have disputes in respect of more specific issues, such as should my child have the COVID-19 vaccination, uh, which is a, a topical one at the mm, moment. I can imagine that was something that, uh, <laughs> that you were probably inundated with work about that one, weren't you? <laughs> yes, yes. I'm, I, I feel like I've, uh, I, I'm nearly an expert on, on <laughs> COVID vaccinations now. But, uh, and, and, and we also have other disputes, so things such as holidays, taking the child abroad. Um, if there's no agreement, ultimately a judge um, needs to make uh, the decision. And, and finally, Joanne, I think really that the cases we get at court as well, you've got on the one hand uh, asking 
for permission to do something, whereas on the other hand, you may be asking the court to make an order stopping something, so prohibiting uh, one parent doing a particular thing with a child. So uh, this could be, as I said, taking the child outside of jurisdiction, uh, moving the child uh, to a different area uh, of the country uh, or, or moving the child's school, for example. Thank you very much for your time here today, Sam, and we look forward to speaking to you again in future episodes. Thank you. So if you've got a situation that you would like to talk about on the podcast or an experience that you've gone through that you would like to share, do drop us a line at splittingup.com or if indeed you wish to get in touch with our expert, the children lawyer, Sam Carter, then please just get in touch and Sam can come back to you and answer any questions that you may have.